0: perpetuate crime. Oh, Phil, did you? Yes, I did. So here's the deal. I'm not saying Democrats are committing crime. They're not, I'm not saying they're criminals. What I'm saying is they are creating an environment that liberal progressives, especially, and by the way, let me, let me, let me, let me step back. Let me step back from my own commentary. Just one second here. It's not, it's not a true caveat. It's just a slight caveat, I guess, but the rat, what I'm saying is I know a bunch of Democrats who, who are just as quick to be hard on crime. There are moderate Democrats in Montgomery, or where I served with them, or who would just as quickly be able to pass something that's hard on crime. But what liberal progressives so often do is lean towards the criminal as opposed to the victim. In the last few years, some And, uh, in, in, you know, go explain it. I, I don't know that I can explain the national psychological drama that played out in the wake of the George Floyd incident. But suddenly it became not just a fashionable, but a mandate. Not not just a, you know, uh, an idea. It became a um, a need for certain liberal progressives to have to bow down to the idea that they would have ever been we, oh, the George Floyd thing. We've, listen, look, look, how, look how good we are to people. We'll let them out of prison early. We won't even send them to prison. We'll, we'll be hard on police because the police are hard on, on people. And that's the way it went. And it got to the point of being, you know, almost like a psychosis. Meanwhile, every day, Joe and Jane in America is like, what the heck's going on? You're burning buildings? but it's a largely peaceful protest? Or, or for that matter, you got arrested and then you were out on the street a day later, but yet the guy in Arizona who defended his land with illegal aliens had to post a million dollars cash bond? And he's 73 years old? What the heck's going on? Well, what we're seeing now, though, and I hate, I, hate, I hate that we had to live through it for them to see it, but what we're beginning to see now more and more is that even Democrats can't hide from what they helped construct or deconstruct, for that matter. Even, even, even Democrats are beginning to finally go, you know, might just have gone a little too far. I know a sheriff in North Alabama who's a Republican that bowed down with Black Lives Matter on the steps of his office and ordered his deputies do the same thing. I'm, it's, You know... What was, the, what was the mental state of the nation, well, not the whole nation, but some, that saw it as a reason to kowtow? We didn't kill George Floyd. And oh, by the way, we didn't create the environment that allowed that to happen. And oh, by the way, that was up there and we live down here. Why was the whole nation being treated to some type of victim mentality that said that we suddenly had to go soft on crime, we suddenly had to defund the police, we suddenly had to acquiesce in the face of the overwhelming evidence of systemic oppression when the reality is you know it's a crab. It's just a a load of crab. All right, so here's the deal. Dems can't hide from it anymore, especially when they start becoming the victims. I know you've heard the story. I mentioned it briefly on the show before, but story here on Fox News. dated just about nine days ago. You may have heard this, uh, Democratic uh, Congresswoman, uh, Angie Craig. She's a Democrat from Minnesota, and she is now calling for serious action against the rising crime crisis in D.C. because she was assaulted by a man who had a rap sheet about a mile long. And she points out, she said, "I was I was assault number 13 and he is still on the streets." She says I got attacked by someone who the District of Columbia has not prosecuted fully over the course of almost a decade. Over the course of 12 assaults before mine that same morning, he said, so I think we have to think about how in the world we can make sure that we're not just letting criminals out. Now, first of all, I'm glad she's okay. By the way, I'm glad she fought. Let me take a brief aside here. Do not stop fighting back. Do not do what they tell you to do. If you're being attacked, you keep your head on a swivel. First of all, don't, don't, don't be the easy victim. But, but then I saw the, the, the video of the woman in the gym who just fought and kicked and scratched and clawed and pulled hair out of his beard and got away. Well, good on Representative Angie Craig from Minnesota, who when the guy attacked her in the elevator of her apartment building, she threw her coffee in his I mean, she, she literally got punched in the face. He grabbed her by the neck, but she had the foresight to think to throw her hot coffee in his face and she got away. But the guy shouldn't have been on the street. That's the point. And so now we have a Democrat representative who probably would have never said anything. Now claiming, if you throw somebody in jail for 10 days and think, hey, there's your punishment, we're going to let you right back on the street. She goes, what the blank do you think is going to happen? And she was assault number 13 for a guy who has, he's only 26 years old and he has a rap sheet, you know, as long as your arm. We're seeing this all over the place, though. And I got a few examples of things we're talking about in Alabama. Before I do that, though, another Fox News story came out y- today. And I find this to be, ex- and I'm, I'm so glad. So there's this whole movement right now that George Soros has been funding liberal prosecutors, helping them get elected. Now, we, we had the one in San Francisco that got recalled. And then we have the one in L.A., Gascon, I believe it is, who somehow survived a recall attempt. But we've got, you know, we've got them in, in Baltimore. We've got them in Um, Chicago. We've got them in uh, St. Louis. Well, in St. Louis, yeah. The state attorney general has now put Democrat St. Louis Circuit uh, Attorney Kim Gardner on notice that she either resigns or she'll be removed. They have had it. They have had it with her soft on crime, don't prosecute, let them back out, put them on the street policies. So Attorney General Andrew Bailey A Republican gave Cardner, who's a Democrat, an ultimatum. She has until noon tomorrow. That's tomorrow, tomorrow. Until noon tomorrow to announce her resignation after a motorist who repeatedly had violated bond conditions that were soft on him was out again and had an accident, I believe under the influence, and injured a teenage girl. She's in the hospital in critical condition. Legs are severely damaged. One of them is maimed. And it literally, her dad was there with her, and the fact that he had um, some prior, you know, military training that gave him, you know, the, the ability to do quick thinking, first aid on the scene, uh, he 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 saved her life. But she's in a bad she's in a bad way right now. So even Democrats are now calling for Gardner to resign says many officials, including Democrats, joined in criticizing Gardner. Missouri Senate President Pro Tem Caleb Rowden, who's a Republican, said Gardner should resign, calling her incompetent and grossly unfit. Missouri House Speaker Dean Plocher urged her to step down. Democrat St. Louis Mayor uh, Mayor, uh, Tashara Jones said Gardner has lost the trust of the people. It goes on from there. But folks, what we're seeing more and more and more is that even Democrats are having buyer's remorse on this whole thing about going soft on crime. Seattle may be, Seattle and Portland, Seattle and Portland may be the, the ultimate case study in what happens when you let progressives decide to defund police and to, and to victimize the police as opposed to victimizing the criminals. Fox News. Uh, That's three in a row for Fox News. They're on a roll with me, I guess, right now. Fox News uh, dated yesterday. Seattle reverses its course on defunding police as crime ravages the locals. Yeah. Seattle residents Victoria Beach, Eli Hoshor, and Jonathan Cho said police shortages have left their city in dire straits in the aftermath of the officials' anti-law enforcement rhetoric. Homicides are up by 24%. Motor vehicle thefts are up 30% in one year. Overall crime ticked up a total of four percent. Mayor Bruce Harrell pushed for increased police presence to curb the issue, saying, "We got to take immediate action and innovation to respond to our public safety issues. We need more officers." Well, this is the defund the police mecca. It says, "I think the mayor's on the right track," said one of the people who spoke on Fox. But Seattle's in a huge crisis. Our city has been destroyed. We're not going to get it back anytime soon. And she said that she agrees the city needs more police to help cut back on crime, saying the situation is currently a free-for-all. said, if you want to commit a crime, move to Seattle. It's a failed social experiment. And that's where we are, really. This whole last couple of years has been a social experiment on going soft on crime. And, and, and it ain't good. It's the, average, it's the average Joe and Jane who put up with it. It's the average citizen in the street. It's the average household. It's, it's the people who just want to... Know that they've got a government that has their best interest at heart that so often is making it easy to be a criminal and hard, hard to be a citizen. All right, Boomer, take me to a break, brother. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back and sort of move this thing through to conclusion. But, yeah, that's where we are. As I get down to the very end of this segment, i got to tell you, i got an article here from uh, quoting Ron DeSantis about why he believes that Florida has been gaining people well, New York and California are losing. Maybe it has something to do with safe streets. All right, you guys, y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. Back, Phil Williams, right side radio, solid conservative, just plain right. So, uh, we're in number one of the triple dipper safe streets. And, Boomer, you had a call a moment ago before I go to the phone lines. What, what?
1: yeah, Brian, uh, Brian called in and uh, he just he was telling me about the 16 year old girl you were talking, talking Saint about Louis? in St. Louis, yeah. Um, they had to amputate both of her legs, I believe, oh, is what he no. told me. No, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 yeah. I know, oh, I know, bless her uh, heart. Oh, my gosh, that's and then, yeah. And then you have a collar as well.
0: <laughs> uh, was that uh, yeah? line, Let me do that line one. Is that Jeff? Jeff from Indiana. How you doing, buddy?
2: Doing good, Phil. How are you doing?
0: I'm okay. I don't know if you heard Boomer tell me that news though about the young lady in St. Louis. That was as awful.
2: Yeah, that it's it, it's sad, and it and the blood is on the hands of the prosecutors.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this guy was in and out of jail, in and out, never never had to really serve any time. Because they got they got this whole notion that if you're soft on the criminals, somehow that helps the streets, and uh, and now we have a young lady who I, I hear now has, has lost both her legs. That's just amazing.
2: I mean, I don't know how how you don't uh, sue the state, you know, for for not doing their job. I mean, they're derelict in their duties and stuff, and and if they keep this up, uh, they're just inviting va- vigilanteism.
0: Well, because uh, you know. It, the, 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 if
2: you're not going to do anything about it legally, then what? What's your other choice? I,
0: I, th- I think I would not be a bit surprised to find out there's going to be a civil suit, um, especially when you consider that the the state attorney general has already said she's on notice that the the prosecutor that she needs to resign if it's that bad. If they're assigning that level of culpability to the prosecutor, then I would think a civil suit is definitely in order.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I know. <laughs> I would have a hard time keeping away from them, to tell you the truth. If that was my child, no, no kidding. I don't see how there isn't a bunch of people uh, going. You know, you know, when you go to courtrooms and everything, and people try to get the perpetrator, you know, and, and know they're going to get arrested or whatever. Uh, you know, eighty bar of the doors. If I, if I was that was my child.
0: No, I, 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 I get it, and 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 that's and that's the thing is right now is this young lady. Uh, there, there shouldn't have to be a that was my child. There shouldn't, ha- this shouldn't even be a thing right now. The, the guy should have been in jail and not on the streets, and and that's the that's the that's the whole crux of it. Is this was an, a totally avoidable situation, but it was all because of well, a prosecutor well, that was soft on crime.
2: This is the result of people not having enough intelligence to vote. Mm. They 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 truly uh, are, are incompetent, you know, and. You know, everybody says that everybody needs to vote. No, we we don't we don't <laughs> let the kids on the short bus drive the bus just because they said, oh, you know, they have had a vote and uh, said, uh, you know, we're going to vote you off.
0: <laughs> well, but you know, the reality is though everybody gets a vote, but what and 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 they do, and that's a constitutional right. But dang, you look at it and think part of it is. How about the candidates actually be who they said they are? And did they run and I want to know, did these Soros backed prosecutors did they literally run saying, "Hey, I intend to make your streets less safe or did they talk about being tough on crime and then got elected to do something else?
2: It, it, it's, it comes down to the electric field. I mean uh, uh, not smart enough these, these people are not intelligent enough to self-govern. And, and you know they they may not like to hear that, but that's the honest to God's truth.
0: Well, it's uh, it's something. All I know is this: uh, it may have taken a couple years for the for the shine to wear off that apple, but uh, I even think Democrats are having buyer's remorse on some of that right now.
2: Uh, I hope some of them get a little intelligence. You know. uh, well, like I say, when it happens to them, that's when they change their views. It's
0: exactly right. Exactly right, Jeff. Be careful on the road, man. You take care. All right.
2: Have a Yeah, feel.
0: you too, buddy. Um, I got several text messages, and we're going to wrap this thing up here in a few minutes, but uh, uh, several text messages. Uh, Jim from Huntsville Texas, texted in, says, Phil, the liberals' policies on crime have not only caused a spike in crime, it's also caused a spike in assaults on police officers. Yeah, there you go. He said, I was a police officer for 26 years, retired in 2021. During that time, he said, I lost four brothers in the line of duty. Three were shot and killed. One died from complications of a car accident. So said, it truly sickens me to see the assault on police officers. It's no surprise that police departments across the country are having trouble recruiting officers. He said, I urge the audience to check out the Officer Down Memorial page and just see the sacrifices officers have made. Jim from Huntsville, man, great text. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. That's uh, a great point. Um, it has made um, streets less safe. It also, by the way, has made the job of being a law enforcement officer, which was not exactly a safe job in the first place, less safe. Um, And then sometimes it's not even just prosecution or the lack thereof. It's not just a DA who doesn't want to follow through. Sometimes it's the executive branch of that particular municipality. I, I, I still take issue, and, and, and even some in law enforcement might disagree with this, but I still take issue with the idea that Liberal Mayor Randall Woodfin of Birmingham is going to limit the ability of his police officers to serve warrants. In other words, they can't do a no-knock warrant now. If they have reasonable suspicion that something is going on behind that door, now they have to knock, announce themselves, give them a chance to arm up or run out the back door, and then they can enter. Uh, And then the the other thing is they can't use flashbangs. Why? Because it's scary, I guess. Let me tell you what a flashbang grenade does. It doesn't kill anybody. What it does is it disorients. It disorients the guy behind the door who may be able to grab a weapon and shoot the door as they enter it. By the way, that, that door, that's the kill box. If you've ever been trained to clear rooms, when you, when you first go through the door, that's the kill box. That's, that's the most constrained portion of the entire motion of entering the room right there. And so all that a, that a flashbang grenade does is disorient the potential bad guy. Disorient them long enough to allow the good guys to get in the door and maybe stop anybody from dying, but no. Liberal Mayor Randall Woodfin wants to make sure that the police don't have the upper hand, so yeah, things like that they they don't help. Uh, they don't help at all. We're gonna come back from this break here in just a minute. We're gonna talk about it in a little bit more detail and sort of wrap this section up. And then coming up at the bottom of the next hour, you're gonna to want to stay tuned as we got uh, Congressman Gary Palmer is gonna be on the line with us. Looking forward to that, Congressman Palmer has been doing a great job up in D.C., but he started off uh, founding and running the Alabama Policy Institute where I used to be on staff uh, for 24 years. All right, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, hour one in the can. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, right side radio, Phil Williams here live in the right side studios, man, the local, the state, the national covering down on all the issues in our number two. And like the dude just said, solid conservative and just plain right. Well, yeah, it's hard. It's our number two already. I mean, flies by. Did I talk that much? Uh, I guess I did. already yeah, already <laughs> did. Man, <Bam. laughs> go ahead and, do, up and put that one in the books. Um. I got the text lines are open, by the way. If you want to text in, we've been talking about uh, safe streets, or are they safe? Uh, So, yeah, the number here, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. That's the number. Text us your thoughts on this. Um, So uh, Bob from Decatur just texted in and said, Now yet another set of lies, the insurrections being exposed. Kevin and Tucker, Kevin McCarthy and Tucker Carlson are to be commended. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see what comes out of it. You know what? Even if they, you know, here's the deal. Let me back up. What he's talking about there is during my monologue I mentioned, and I'll be talking about it in more detail in a minute, that um, Tucker Carlson has been given access to 41,000 hours of closed-circuit TV footage taken from the Capitol during the 24-hour period around January 6th. Even if nothing comes out of it to change the narrative of the January 6th commission, even if nothing in there exonerates a single person, even if nothing in that footage is any different than what Joy Behar and Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and have all said, it's still the right thing to do. Now, do I believe we're going to find out some new stuff? Yep, I do. Uh, do I believe that we're going to wind up seeing that there actually was another side to the story? Yes, I do. Um, but I don't care if we do or not. I mean, I, mean, I do. Let I me mean, put it that way. I, I If we don't, I'm okay with the idea of continuing to have transparency, even if it doesn't match what I want it to be. That's important. You can't just want it just because it fits your own narrative because then you're no better than they are. The first and most important thing here is that we have true transparency. We have the opportunity to, to review the records. And oh man, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself because I got a whole segment built on this. I won't go into all of it right now, but man, the Democrats are having a freak out. Wait, wait, wait. You can't, you can't look at that. That's, um, there's a good reason why you shouldn't, um, security. I think you're violating security protocols. No, we're not (laughs) knuckleheads. Um, all right. So yeah, thank, thank you, Bob from Decatur. Appreciate the text on that. Uh, what else we got on here? Um, uh, oh, Randall from Newmarket says, the man for the job for Safe Streets is Buford Pusser. Do you know who that was, Boomer? Buford Pusser?
1: Uh,
0: true story. True story? Yeah, true story. Walking Tall. There was, now, there was a movie, there was a remake of Walking Tall made with The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, I, All right. I, I know that one. But the original was more true to form, and it was the story of Buford Pusser, who was a sheriff who decided he was going to clean up his town, and he pretty much did it with a two-by-four in his hand. Just... Really? Just just did a did a little womping. Oh. That's back in the days when law the... enforcement could do a little womping.
1: Do a little womping.
0: Yeah, Randall from New Market, thank you for reminding us of Buford Pusser. May may he rest in peace. Brian from Huntsville says no flashbangs. PETA must be worried about pets. Yeah, there you go. Uh Ike from Somerville just texted in. It says uh soft on crime, maybe the DAs and the prosecutors should do the time. Mm. Wow. Mm. Uh, J.T. from Lacey Springs says, it seems Democrats have been uh, armchair lawmakers, and now they're facing 350-pound linemen. Yeah, so they, they yeah. <laughs> went from being armchair quarterbacks, I guess. They're armchair lawmakers. Now, all of a sudden, it got real. Um, so, yeah, things that I see around the world that I look at and go, mm, that don't make no sense. And we're talking about safe streets. Story from uh, yesterday, two days ago, actually, from uh, up yonder in Minnesota. Up yonder in Minnesota, Democrats look to make a big change to corrections in Minnesota. What are they planning on doing? They're planning on reducing sentences across the board. Now, we got this issue right now with early release in Alabama, which I'll cover in a minute. But we're looking right now at Democrats in Minnesota who continue to boggle my mind, by the way. They are the most liberal. I mean, I thought San Francisco had it going on. Minneapolis, man. But nonetheless... Story here from alphanews.org, Minnesota Democrats have introduced a bill that would allow inmates to earn early release credits. Now, didn't we just change that here in Alabama? Oh, yes. Yes, we did. So the the thing here was called good time. You know, there's a, now, now I want to sing the theme song to good times from the 1970s. No. Um, there was a thing here we call good time where you can have your sentence reduced for having Done certain things or not done certain things. And the governor had to wind up uh, fixing some stuff, if you know what I mean. She had to put out an executive order halting it and making changes after we had uh, a member of law enforcement die at the hands of someone who'd been released on good time. In Minnesota, they want to up it, all right? They want to go even further into what they call a game changing proposition. Authored by a Democrat named Jamie Becker. The Minnesota Rehabilitation and Reinvestment Act seeks to incentivize participation in rehab programs by offering early... So basically, if you're in prison and you get a 20-year sentence, but you'll go through uh, drug rehab or you'll go through some other type of programs, um, then you can get early early release incentives. And they they can begin to reduce your sentence. Now, here's the thing. I'm for pretrial diversion programs. If you're not familiar with those, that's a case where the criminal, or at least the accused, stands before the judge, and the judge will look at them. And depending upon the offense, the judge may say, if you will go through a rehab program, or if you will do this in a halfway house, or whatever, if you'll if you'll take part in this controlled environment program, and you will successfully graduate, then I will delay sentencing and allow you the opportunity to do that, and perhaps even reduce or um, uh, do away with your sentence. And they're allowed to do that. Pre-trial diversion. That's before they get in jail. That's before they have a sentencing. But Democrats in Minneapolis, they want someone to be sentenced first and then, oh, by the way, be able to get out early. At that point, to me, it's a little late. They're saying here, this could even let people have their sentence reduced by Half. Half. Folks, that's just not right. I want to know where the victims groups are in this situation. We're bringing it back home to Alabama as we wind down this topic on safe streets. So state senator, former State Senator Cam Ward, who I serve with in Montgomery, we actually chaired and vice chaired judiciary and the Committee on Fiscal Responsibility together. But um, he is now the head of pardons and paroles for the state of Alabama. He says 2.3 percent of inmates on early release have reoffended. Okay, so just to back things up here, story really broke about two two and a half weeks ago in Alabama that a law that was passed in 2021 by the state legislature as a part of the overall prison package was letting people out early, like real early. If they were within a certain period of time of their release anyway, they're getting them out and putting an ankle bracelets on them and sending them out in the streets and then hopefully things go well. Well he's saying that some have reoffended Now I believe when he says 2.3 percent he's saying that he's he's pleased with that number meaning that like 97.7% are not reoffending is what he's saying. But I look at it and go, wow so some of them did reoffend and they shouldn't have been on the street in the first place. So maybe we need to tighten up the, 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 the program and the legislature revisit this issue. But Ward says he feels like we're on the right path, he said at a recent hearing. He says if our goal is to reduce recidivism and therefore increase public safety, I think we're in a position to do that. And a lot of that comes from the ankle monitoring. And he talks about the fact that they had $4.6 million assigned by the legislature appropriated for electronic monitoring. Okay. That being said, how do you feel about it? Are you okay with folks getting out earlier? Or do you want them to serve their sentence and then get out? Well, a couple things that are happening that we could see around the nation. And I was going to talk about a another program we got in Alabama, but I think I'll put it off to the side for the now. I'll end up with this. Fox News has a story from January of this year in which Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, who many believe is going to wind up being a top candidate for president pretty soon, got Ron DeSantis... It says that self, soft on crime policies and woke ideologies in other states are the reasons why Florida is now the fastest growing state in the country. And I believe he may be right. He said it during his second inaugural address. He says we will always support law enforcement. We will always reject soft on crime policies that put our communities at risk. And he says that Florida's fast growing population is in part because people want law and order, and that I agree with. People want to know that when their kids walk to the bus stop or that when they go downtown to meet somebody for dinner or that when they drive up in their own driveway, for that matter, that they are in a place where it is safe because they pay their tax dollars. They expect that one of the essential services of government will be to provide safe streets. Article here says the Census Bureau reported that areas of the country with blue states, the Northeast and the Midwest, each lost population. As Americans are moving to the South, Alabama, by the way, is one of the fastest growing also. Huntsville, Alabama is the number 10 in the nation for the housing market. All that to say, folks, I agree with these statements. He says many of these cities and states have embraced a faddish ideology at the expense of enduring principles. They've harmed public safety by coddling criminal, criminals and attacking law enforcement. I completely agree. Safe streets, it's not too much to ask. In fact, Safe Streets is an expectation. Safe Streets is an essential service of government. When you pay your tax dollars, it is not just so you can have a street to drive on. It's so you can have a safe street to drive on. For you and your family and your loved ones, that is not too much to ask. All right, Boomer, take it to the break, brother. We'll do that right now. We will come right back. Keep this thing moving. We got a call with Congressman Gary Palmer coming up, bottom of the hour. Uh, Looking forward to that. Then, top of the hour, oh yeah, Boomer and McQueen. And then we got all kinds of other good stuff mixed in. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. We are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative and just plain right. So uh, we, we, Boomer and I, just had a fascinating conversation off the air. So what? How, how did you? How did you start that? What were we? What were we talking about? Was it Jeff's call that, that sparked that a minute ago? Yeah. So
1: when when Jeff was calling in, we were talking. We were talking about the safe streets and then the voters. He started saying, "Well, yeah, it all goes down to the voters." Yeah. And then in my head, I was thinking, okay. <laughs> as a as a younger <laughs> voter, myself, yeah, you know when I was when I turned 18, I immediately just voted Republican because I I could. yeah, I was a Republican. I'm doing this. I'm a conservative. Gotcha. I got this. Gotcha. So I never really listened to you know any of the politicians or what they're going at, but I knew my I knew what I stood for, okay, okay? and say i have another friend let's just hypothetically say i have a, a really big democrat friend <laughs>
0: <laughs> hypothetically i'm just, just going to say that. hypothetically
1: hypothetically okay and then we start talking about something but then we're like okay we're we're really close on a lot of different you know subjects and um political th- views and i'm like you're not really a democrat oh yes i am no no you're <laughs> not a democrat but and then they still just check mark the democrat On the thing, how does a politician or someone get to that person and convince them that they're not because their views are actually aligned with them? We could spend a whole hour on this. Um, So uh, (laughs) now, what a
0: huge question. So you know, like, all right, and I'm going to probably anger half my listening base right now, but I'm an Auburn fan, right? But I I may be an Auburn fan, so that's who I cheer for, but I don't know every player and all the stats of every player on the team and if the if and with with a few exceptions if the coach sub somebody into a position i may or may not even recognize that it happened but i still cheer for that team you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying all right absolutely politics can sometimes be the same way there ain't nothing wrong with having your team there's nothing wrong with somebody saying i i choose to to vote straight ticket republican because the one thing that does for you is if you don't know every candidate and every issue they stand on, at the very least, you recognize they align with a team that you like. Okay? So there's that. Now, what I always, though, encourage people to do is try to find the issues and try to find a broad base of issues. Don't just be a single-issue voter. There, there are those who are single-issue voters. How do you feel about abortion? That's how I vote. You know, I, mean, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. But to some degree, there might be uh, more going on. Like, get the big picture. It's abortion and fiscal policy and how do they feel about education and what are they going to – anyway, all that to say, um, how does it – I think your your, your original question – I'm getting off on a a rabbit trail here. I think your original question, though, was how does the political candidate get out there and convince people – who they are. Correct. Okay.
1: All right. I mean, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's a hard thing. It is. So you're going to have your base,
0: you're going to have your straight ticket voters, the kind who are, they they call them your base. You're going to have your base that are literally going to say that's who I vote for in that party. I don't even care what else they say. That's my party. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Cool. And then you're going to have that on both sides of the aisle. It's the, it's the, it's the, the swing voters, the ones who, can be convinced one way or the other they might be strong on fiscal policy weak on you know social culture war type issues or vice versa and so you can grab their attention you have back in the day uh, when uh, Reagan was running against Carter you had a movement called the Reagan Democrats and they were they were people who had been voting uh in the south as a yellow dog Democrat for years and, and Jimmy Carter got elected and they were like you know what think We're done with this because they began to find things they didn't like anymore because the Republicans began to message more effectively.
1: Mm. Um, so they became more aware of what they actually stood for.
0: Yeah, and you got to find sometimes it's going to be a populist issue. Mm. There, are, there are some folks that say, you know, just being a populist, you know, Republican or a populist Democrat, all that is just red meat, man. You're just a... so what? It's what people care about. Mm-hmm. So you go find those issues. And that's why pollsters have such a job, right? You go find those issues that resonate and you stake your ground on those. And then you got to spend all the money in the world it takes to get the word out to everybody. And that's why it was so maddening that Twitter deplatformed the story about the Hunter Biden laptop, Hmm. because it was, it was a story that would have had an impact. Many believe in the outcome of the election and Twitter suppressed it. And all of a sudden, one of those ways that you're asking about that people get the word out, right, just went away, vanished. Yeah, just it, so. Anyway, I'm not sure if I answered your question. Did I? Yeah, you you did. I mean, do you really a... have a friend who's a Democrat?
1: I don't know. Do I?
0: <laughs> I used to at least. <laughs> then you started working for Right Side Radio, and they wrote you off. <laughs> yeah, that's probably
1: what it was. We've lost Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a it's, it's
0: a great question, and uh, uh, maybe maybe we'll deal with some of that in Boomer and McQueen later maybe. in the show.
1: Oh, oh boy, <laughs> better prepare something
0: then. <laughs> uh, all right, you guys. Hey, listen up. Coming up in just a minute. That was a great aside, by the way. I didn't mean, do that. Was that was like an unplanned segment? Um, coming up here in just a minute, though, we got a call with Congressman Gary Palmer. Uh, he is um, uh, representing Alabama's sixth congressional district. Uh, he is a member of leadership after only a few years in D.C. And uh, he also has been working policy issues here in Alabama for three decades. You guys stay tuned. Congressman Gary Palmer coming up next. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back.